Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slade's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on everybody? We are back and I am sick, man. I am sick as a dog, but I know the Kool-Aid drinkers out there want some Lions info, so I got two cough drops in, and I got Griffka on the other end of the line. Griff, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Nice to be around again. How's it going? Oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, other than this cold I'm trying to kick, we're all good, and uh, man, we got some great stuff off at the top, so normally... We do news and notes and kind of what's happening with the Lions again. It's a little bit of a, a slower period. But I did come through with some unique questions I like to talk about right off the get-go. We'll dive into the Chicago Rewind we got today for the people. And then we also got some listener questions we'd like to hit at the end as well. So you ready to do this? Yeah, let's knock this out, man. All right, cool. So the first question I have for you, Griff, because like the NFL, they bowed down, they they settled, you know, which normally means guilt um, in the whole Kaepernick lawsuit. Nobody's really sure how much money he got, this, that, and the other. But I was just curious, man. A couple of years it went by. Like, would you ever accept Kaepernick as, like, the Lions' backup or as a football player on the Detroit Lions in 2019 moving forward? Or you just uh, don't want him anywhere near our football team? What do you think? Um. Honestly, I I think at this point with where the lines are at, he'd be more of a distraction than any any help, even as a backup quarterback. And especially with the way Stafford's playing, like you know, I you know I know you're hearing it and reading it. I'm hearing it and reading it. How like fans are like calling for Stafford's head, get rid of him, trade him, release him, do whatever. Even though we've talked about this financially, wouldn't make sense to do that. Um, because, you know, as soon as he has, like, a bad game or bad series, people are going to be calling for Kaepernick to go in. So it might come to the point where he's kind of looking over his shoulder. And I know we've discussed this in the past where, ding, hit the bell, where you're like, maybe it might be a good thing for Stafford to have some competition. Maybe he's just a little too comfortable thinking, you know, whatever he does, he's going to be the starter. But he's being paid that way. And to bring a guy in where I think people would be calling for him and, you know, it's like, hey, come on, get him in there. You know, we Kaepernick went to Super Bowl. But then there's another big group of fans that would not want to see him at all. And I think there'd be booze. So it's just like, I, I think that's almost kind of that way with any team that uh, there, there would be a big split and uh, you know, people would want to see him. People wouldn't want to see him. And I think right now what the Lions need is pretty much all hands on deck, all fans in the same boat, rowing the same way with this team and not a divide. So I, I, I just, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, my take, I mean, normally we're pretty short here in the beginning, but I kind of want to work through a couple of these questions. So my take on the Kaepernick thing is when it comes down to football, like I know two years ago or definitely when he made that Super Bowl run, I mean, I thought this guy was going to change the NFL. He was 
Um, I mean, he can run like a deer. He had a rocket for an arm. He was smart. He looked like the young up-and-coming player that was going to revolutionize the position. Then he kind of got paid and, and didn't play so well. And with it being a couple of years now, like, I just don't even know where he'd be at as a player. But my thing is I kind of feel like it's almost unfair that he's been out of the league for two years knowing that he's better. If he hasn't totally deteriorated, he's got to be better than most backups or third strings in the NFL. So when I was talking about it on Twitter, I was kind of just saying from a football perspective, if he's 75% of what he was when he was pretty good player, you know, having him on your football team, you know, being able to come in when an injury happens, all that type of thing makes sense. But I agree with you that, you know, some of the distractions, I know when I put it out there online, there were people that were like, oh, yeah, I'm with you. Or other people were like, I would stop watching the team or I got a real issue with it. So, you know, it's a it's a dividing issue, no doubt about it. But it's just it just seems like now that he's settled and if he's going to get an opportunity in the NFL, you know, we could use a backup quarterback and would this guy be motivated, all that type of stuff. But I'm with you. I mean, I don't see it happening, but I thought it was something worthy to talk about. And uh, kind of part of me hopes this guy gets another chance because I, I think what he did to the flag was a little bit disrespectful. But I also think that in a weird way, he was kind of doing a quiet protest for something he believed in and something that was and probably still is an issue out there in our society. And I don't think anything he said or did was really that that outlandish or that bad. But to be out of your occupation for two plus that stuff, other than like, you know, we heard that the AAF, he uh, had some $20 million contract demand. I mean, if he's just still doing that kind of stuff, that's crazy. But I think when you really break down his his protest and the things he did, it, it wasn't as horrible as people make it sound, um, actually probably trying to stand up for something that was right. But he's just uh, – people have totally uh, flipped the script on him. So, anyway, I'm not a supporter or a, you know, a guy that bashed him, really, I was thinking from football. And I think from a football perspective, if he had the right mindset and took the right contract and came in, it could be helpful to a team. But I also think that uh, if he's not in good space in either of those areas, yeah, the distractions, the other things that come with it, wouldn't be worth it. And I think the Lions is just something they normally don't do. So that's my uh, that's my take on it. You got any uh, comebacks with that, or you want to move on to the next question? Yeah, let's move on to the next one. I don't want to – I mean, we could do a whole show on this if we really wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, we got some other good stuff, man. So uh, um, the next thing I had was, man, this really was banging around in my brain, Grifka, and I threw it out to some of the people. Do you think J.D. and Devin White out of LSU could play on the field at the same time for the Detroit Lions? Like, before you respond – to me, Devin White might be my safest football player on my board. He's an absolute monster. Everybody that talks about him, I haven't heard really a bad thing about him. He can cover. He can run to the football. He's a leader. He's smart. He plays three downs, all this stuff. I mean, I'm getting this crazy idea in my head that, man, those two people in the middle of your defense can really help our Lions. Like, what do you think? Can they play together, and is that something you'd be advocate at? And I'm talking about at number eight taking Devin White if you think it's a fit and if you think it could happen? I think it depends on what type of defense they plan on running. I mean, if uh, it, they seem to be kind of in a uh, – was it a uh, – they go back between the 3-4 and the 4-3. They, they seem to do that a little bit last year. But honestly, I think they're these two are really similar players. I mean, 
that I mean, like you said, they they both can run to the ball. I mean, we we've seen some of the tackling that JD, you know, some of the bad angles that he takes every once in a while. I mean, he seems to be getting better on the blitz. Coverage skills are still a little hit and miss. But uh, you know, Devin White at LSU, I mean, he he was pretty good. I mean, he was good. I mean, there was a couple of games he had to sit out half for. Uh, was it the uh, targeting calls or whatever that he had? I know he had a couple of those as well. But, uh, I mean, could they play in the same field? Yeah, if they're going to run like a more of a 3-4. But I think, I think I believe they're both generally similar linebackers, myself. And that's what people said online. They were kind of like, man, he's almost the same player. But, you know, he's po- I mean, he has better cover skills. That's something we've talked about on the podcast. Uh, that uh, To me, it's... The Patricia defense is so versatile and so multiple that, I mean, if you look back at his New England days, I mean, he always had, like, Mayo and Hightower. Hightower and, um, gosh, who's the other big beast they always had in the middle? And then they got Van Noy, who's a big-type linebacker. He made that work. So, I mean, to me, Matt Pat's not a guy that just puts one guy in the middle of his defense that's, you know – six feet and some change, 240, 250, and then put some slight guys on the outside and let them run. I mean, he's had two big guys, and he's had leaders there in the middle. So I don't know, man. Like, Devin White just seems like such a good prospect that I'm, like, fired up about it. And, like, the other big thing I was thinking in my head is that when you break down a defense, you know, when you have edge rushers, like, they're great if they can get after the quarterback, but they usually aren't the best at – you know, run stuffing, all that other stuff. Then you move into defensive tackles. Like, if they're great run stuffers, that's great, but they're usually not great pass rushers. You go out to your corners. I mean, if they're incredible in coverage, great. Um, some of them are good tacklers, but it's hard to find both. You move back to your safeties. Those guys, uh, you know, either usually have one or the other. They're usually a thumper or they can go try to track down the football. But to me, the those big middle linebackers that can run, as I said, I'll just – uh, put it in a capsule. They help you in run stuffing. They help you in coverage. They help lead your defense. They help communicate with all the other players. Um, you know, you can move them in and out. You can rush them. You can do all this stuff. Like to me, it's just an incredibly versatile position. If we're going to be a versatile defense, my brain is starting to say that we need more than just Jared Davis there in the linebacking core and then some surrounding pieces. And Devin White is a freaking beast so i'm uh i'm starting to get on that train that it might seem early at eight but that's where you're gonna have to take him man you know you can't trade back to the middle of the round and hope he's gonna be there so something to think about no doubt about it yeah i would i would uh go in a little bit different direction i think they need i think the lions need uh a few other players and like like you said, other people I myself think I think they're real similar players. I don't get me wrong, I I'm picking up what you're putting down, but uh, I think there's a few other things they need instead. And you know, like I said, taking this at eight would, I mean, it's almost kind of like a, uh, you know, it's like best player available at that point is is what it would seem like. But but my counter too is that, you know, again I broke down the positions like edge rusher. You know, they're usually coming in and out of the game. You know, they might have you know, 50 tackles or less, you know, especially your DTs, you know, they're not getting many tackles. Like a middle linebacker like Devin White can play three downs. You play all the time, 
probably rack you up, what, like 120-some tackles. You know, if he's playing inside, outside, moving around. 120 tackles is a lot of tackles. Yeah, but go go pull up the stats. Like, every top linebacker that plays the kind of downs and plays the way he does, like a Deion Jones nowadays, that's what they get, man. They get 120, 140. Like, back in the day, like, 100 was incredible, right? Oh, 100 tackles. Like, now I'm seeing guys have 100, 120 tackles, you know, three-quarters of the way into the season. So, I'm just saying when you really look at production, you look at playing time, you know, that's why I advocate offensive linemen a lot because – they affect every play on offense. They're out there every play. You know, when you can get an every play on defense type of guy, to me he's more valuable sometimes than an edge rusher who's only going to be in in subsets, third down, all that type of stuff. So I don't know, man. I think it's something to really consider. I hear where you're coming from. Most people are like, ah, get the edge rusher, get the corner. But if you get Devin White early, there's not a ton of other great, you know, great middle linebackers. There's other players. There's not great linebackers you can go get there's other corners and there's other edge rushers in this draft so it might be something you could get those guys later I think it's something really to think about for the people and uh, if he shows out in the combine and is just that safe physical you know absolute beast in the middle of your defense and if Jared Davis and him could get along you know both being alpha dogs like I think that would be That'd be incredible. So, anyway, let's uh, let's hit a couple more questions and we'll get into Chicago Rewind. So, Grifka, I got in a Twitter discussion. Uh, then, before I knew it, not with me, but with a few other uh, Twitter folk, it became a Twitter beef, and it was all about quarterback win-loss record. I, uh, I threw out there, somebody was talking about Sean Hill, and I said, oh, man, remember he got so much love as, like, this great backup, but he never won anything. And then somebody was like, oh, he did this, that, and the other. And I was like, I was like I'd love to see his win-loss record. And then it blew up on Twitter about, like, this guy saying that, um, you know, quarterbacks don't have win-loss record as a team. And then other guys were like, oh, it's definitely win-loss record. Like, it's a stat. It's not a stat. Oh, my goodness. It just went crazy. Like, my take was that go ask Tom Brady and the other greats if they think it's win-loss record or if it's, uh, you know, 53, we're all equal. Like, you know the greatest take it on their shoulders. You know, not saying they do it all, but, yeah, they take those wins and losses personally from the quarterback position. What's your take on that, Griff? Do quarterbacks have win-loss in your opinion? Just to kind of, you know, piggyback your statement about, you know, win-loss record. The, the movie The Replacements, I mean, I don't think it's that great a football movie, but I really like this quote in it by Gene Hackman when he's looking at Keanu Reeves. He goes, winners always want the ball. So if you're telling me a quarterback's not thinking about win-loss record, if, they're, if they have a winning record, they know it. They want the ball. They, they want the ball. They want to lead their team. They know. They, they know. It's like they can lead them to victory. So it's like because you always hear me afterwards, yeah, I, got, I, you know, I threw a bad pick. I threw this. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think quarterbacks know win-loss record. And, yeah, you and you're right. I mean, if it's one of those things where your quarterback goes out and throws up 36 points, but your defense gives up 38, I mean, yeah. Does the loss go on the quarterback? Yeah. Is it unfair? Yeah. But uh, the winners always want the ball. So, yeah, I, I have to go with that. I have to go with quarterbacks, no win-loss record. Is it a stat I would use to base to base a, uh, you know, to base, you know, taking a quarterback on is my sole thing? 
you know, because Steve Young wasn't that great in Tampa Bay and he went to San Francisco and he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. So it's, you know, some of it's talent around you, some of it's, you know, scheme. But uh, that's so, yeah, they I think they believe in win-loss record. They can say in front of the mic, you know, oh, no, we're a team, blah, blah, blah. But winners want the ball. Tom Brady wants the ball. He, he knows I can go win this. Joe Montana wanted the ball. You know, I mean, that's, yeah, I'd, I'd have to believe quarterbacks believe win-loss record. But like I said, as a GM, I'm not going to be like, I'm going to kind of look and say, like, well, this guy's got talent, he's got this, maybe it was the talent around him. I don't want to blame it all in. But if this quarterback's out there not being able to read a defense, throwing picks left and right, and his defense, you know, he's winning games, you know, 10-7. I mean, that's just, I, I don't know. I, I think you have to go with a win-loss record. Quarterbacks know it. But I wouldn't call it the be-all, end-all staff for quarterbacks. All right, well, well, Griff, real quick. So, I wasn't able to get to the Griff Cabell a couple of times. I have to hit mute here and cough. I'm sorry, again, people, not feeling well. But the other thing I'm not going to let you get away with is you had a couple Griffkisms there that we got to go back to. I mean, the people are waiting on the he's not that great, and you just blow by it like it's nothing. Like, uh, I mean, can we rewind that and get? Out? <laughs> I just I just talked about Tom Brady, Steve Young, and Joe Montana. Yeah, they're all great. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say they're not that great. You said the somebody wasn't the, that. The one I'd have to say the most would be like Steve Young, not that great, but that's, that's what I'm Chuck saying. Young. That's, that's what you said. Like Steve, that. You don't like Steve Young. You, that's what you said. Steve Young, not that great, but you didn't do the Grifka that not great. That's what the people want. So <laughs> yeah, Steve Young, he's not that great. There. So Grifka, there's a couple things I want to hit on. First of all, like I said, when this beef was going down on Twitter, like, I kind of backed out of it, but. To me, quarterback's really the only position in sports where, yeah, your win-loss record goes on the quarterback. You touch the ball every offensive play. You're the leader of the team. You know, that's just the way it is. I mean, not saying it's right. I'm not saying nobody else contributes to victories. But you don't go up to the corner, or the, the, the backup strong safety, and say, hey, what's your win-loss record? Like, But, yeah, the greats of the game, all the top players in the quarterback position, are judged on wins and losses, especially in the playoffs. And that's just the way it is. So um, I agree with the whole team concept and, hey, we're all even. We're all out here working together. But, yeah, man, when this all came up, I just thought, like, yeah, of course I'm going to hold Sean Hill to what it was his win-loss record with the Lions. It was terrible. He probably won one or two games. You know, what's Tom Brady's win-loss record, both regular season and uh, playoffs? He's the greatest of all time. And you just sort him out that way. That's why Matt Stafford gets so much heat in this town is because he's got all the stats and numbers, this and the other. His win-loss record's not good. He has no playoff victories. And that's what they're judged on, fair or unfair. So that's that's where I stand on it. It was fun to kind of see everybody else's opinion online as they were going back and forth. got kind of ugly. But um, I just think, yeah, you know, other sports, it's hard to compare. If it's not an official stat, it's definitely a stat in most fans' minds when it comes to the NFL quarterback position. Yeah. All right, so last one, Grifka, and then we'll get into Chicago Rewind. Your boy, Mel Kuyper, broke out his mock draft this week. He's got TJ Hawkinson also, as others have had, going to the Lions at number eight. Um, Can you paint a picture where a tight end at that spot will be okay with you? And I'm asking you this because I've heard your diatribe. You can go ahead and repeat it. I mean, the people love when you uh, repeat the old bits, but, um, you know, it's been mocked a few different times now. I want to say there's three high, high-end high writers uh, on the NFL Network and otherwise that have 
sent TJ Hawkinson of Iowa to the Lions at eight. I've got a big opinion on it that I'll give to you, but is there a picture you can paint, Grifka, where this would be okay or absolutely not? No. I, I can't paint a picture where this is okay. I right, let's start off with this. You know, I I know this is I was listening to the radio today and they were talking about this draft. It was a local sports radio, and they were talking about that. And they said Lions fans have like this aftertaste or bad taste in their mouth when certain positions are brought up in the draft. And they said tight oh, end. Boy. They said wide Here receiver. Here we go. You know, so uh, and it's like even at this point, like wide receiver, if they were getting like a stud wide receiver in the first round, I'd be okay with it. I, I'm over the Charles Rogers, Roy Williams, Mike Williams thing. I, that's that's way past me. I mean, where this team is at wide receiver, if they got some stud wide receiver, cool. I'm fine with that. But tight end. Tight ends to me are luxury picks. I hate them. It's just me in the first round. I mean, if they trade back, get them late, a tight end late first round, like late twenties. Okay. I can live with that, but a tight end at eight. Nope. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, it's, it's a luxury pick. That means all other spots are really, really good because you're trying to tell me the best guy on the board at that point is a tight end at the eighth pick. No, I cannot believe that. I cannot believe that even when great tight ends say tight ends are not going to lead you to the Super Bowl. And I know people go, well, Rod Gronkowski. You know, okay, come on, Gronkowski, yeah, he's great. But they won the Super Bowls, and they won the Super Bowls because Tom Brady. Okay? Not because of him. Even Tony Gonzalez said it. Tight ends don't take you to the Super Bowl. You don't build your team around tight ends and go to the Super Bowl. You don't take tight ends at the eighth pick. Sorry, you don't. I don't care what these guys say. It's, it's, it's a luxury pick. It's like taking a strong safety. It's a luxury pick. I mean, sorry. That's the way I feel about it. I would, I would be less than happy with, with, uh, with that pick. I don't care how great. To, I don't care if the guy goes down to be a Hall of Famer with some other team. We could have had him. So what? This team has other needs than to take it. I mean, you're picking eighth not because you're strong. Because, no, forget it. No, it's, it's, it's a terrible pick. So go ahead. You can tell me how uh, how how this would be so beneficial to the Lions. Okay. Well, first before I do that, I got to give you two Griff Cabells. Uh, mostly because if I could have bet a huge chunk of money um, that you were going to use the word luxury pick at least two to three times in that take, along with some of the other things you said, I'd be a rich man right now. Yep. Um, but let me break this down for you. So. My opinion right now is agreeing with you that, you know, when you shake out all the different players, I don't feel he's the eighth best player on the board. No. I, I also don't feel when you really look at tight ends as much as they try to justify him now in the NFL, they stretch the middle of the defense, they can block and catch, they can do all these other things, their weapons. I think when you really look at their numbers, I mean, a good tight end in the NFL might catch a really good one, you know, in that – 600 to 800 yards he might get double digit touchdowns but when you look at their receiver counterparts or an absolute beast at running back when you're talking about offensive weapons you know if you if you hit on one of those other spots you know they can go for 1400 and 12 15 touchdowns you know it's a big difference in production but again we're not playing fantasy football so i've seen on twitter again that a lot of people are getting behind this notion they're saying, oh, man, it's going to happen. People are getting excited about it. The only thing I can say is that if Matt Pat and Bobby Quinn 
have found this guy to be, I mean, he's a sophomore, redshirt sophomore, I think, so he's young. He can block in line. He can catch. He can run after the catch. If they figured out that all these things match up, his age, his style of play, he's physical, but like I said, he can also make plays. If they think that this guy is the perfect prospect for what they're trying to build in regards to mentality, in regards to his play on the field, off the field, all these different things, if they're all matching up, that's the way that I could paint the picture because I was talking to the Big Hughes, shout out to Big Hughes about this, and I said, he said the same thing you did. I'd be I'd be livid if they did it. And I said, like, a lot of people be livid right when the pick's made, but wouldn't all that would matter would be what does he do on the Detroit Lions at that point? Because if he goes and balls out, and can smash people in the run game, catch the football, he's scoring touchdowns, he's able to move chains. Like, it doesn't really matter if you took him at 8 or you took him at 28, as long as he's a really productive, good football player, not for two, three games, not for one year, but for five, six, seven-plus years in the NFL, it'd be a good draft pick, you know, no matter where you take him, if he fits. So I just want to tackle that off the top because it's a hot-button item. It scares a lot of people. A lot of people are, like you said, there's better players out there. You don't take tight ends there. But my positive take, and for the Kool-Aid drinkers, is that if they do it, to help you with your mindset now and to get you prepared, if they do it, it's all about what he does in a Lions uniform, and it's all about what you know his production is. And Hughes had a good point in comparison to the other people that get picked around him. Because if you pick Hawkinson at eight, and he ends up being a pretty good tight end, you know, uh, even like a, a sometimes pro bowler. But then the 9, 10, 11, 12 picks, all these guys that are non-quarterbacks are absolute monsters. Yeah, you're going to regret that a little bit, you know, because they're probably DNs and corners that you could have used as well. But I think, you know, if you can get your mind around that, it all depends what he does if he comes here, not so much, you know, not taking tight ends that high. Tight ends are luxury picks. Well, yeah, unless they're absolute studs, and then you you love them. Gronkowski was a second rounder. Does anybody think about that now? If he'd have been top fifteen, top ten in that draft, nobody would shake their head now. But the NFL, as they do, bumped him down just because of position value and all that different stuff. So, I I I, I told people both sides. You can really be pissed about it, or that's a way to kind of say, hey, Matt Pat and Bobby Quinn love him. You know, he fits the scheme perfectly. Then you can get your head around and get behind it now before it happens. So okay. that's my I, I have a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. I just have a good, you know, just to kind of piggyback and, you know, go on with a question you had before. If you're sitting in the draft room, you're sitting there and Matt Pat and, you know, Bob Quinn look at you like Derek, we're here at the eighth pick, you know, Hawkinson's there and Devin White's there. Which one do we make? Who do you take? <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's easy for me. I mean, I, I take Devin White and, uh, and, but, like I said, they're the if I'm a scout and they're the coach and the GM and they say, okay, like we we take your opinion, but they're both on board with this Hawkinson kid. You know, I think they're going to take him, and me as a scout isn't going to be. I'm going to be a little frustrated if I absolutely love Devin White and would stand on the table for the guy, but hey, that's who the coach and the GM want. They take him and and he fits our offense as long as he goes out and plays great. I mean, we want to hit on our number eight pick at whatever position. Want him to be an all-pro, a really productive starter. And 
that's what you'd have to be. But yeah, I mean, that's a simple answer for me if they're both sitting there. Okay, I was just wondering. Yeah, you, know, you 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 made a nice a nice a nice uh you know uh you know plan and you know what you know for Devin White. I, I was just kind of wondering how you felt about that if both of them were sitting there. Which one would you rather have, or which one would you? Which one would you throw your chips down for? So, okay. Yeah. And we'll get back into it later because I, I can make a great same case for Hawkinson. I could sit here for five, ten minutes and, and tell you exactly why he fits the Lions, exactly why um, he'd be a beast in the city, why he could be an absolute, um, you know, all pro tight end for years to come. You know, we can get into that later. But, um, you know, again, it's all about what these guys do in the field. And, and like I said, one guy online said the draft's all about value. And I agree with that. So, you know, where the value meets, I think, is important. But also you don't want to pass on great players and uh, especially ones that fit your team. So we'll get back into those kind of comparisons. And would you do this guy or would you take that guy um, when we do a little bit more draft and free agency type talk? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's do the Chicago Rewind, Griffka. Let's get it. Yeah, let's knock out this game pretty quick, man. All right. So let's do this, Griffka, because um, we got some good listener questions that we need to spend some time on as well. I've got some bullet points here. Let me just rumble through until I get to halftime. Okay. And then I'll throw it back to you, and you can either hit on some of those points or give a couple of your uh, items that jumped out to you when you watch the game, and then we'll do the same for the second half, and that way we'll get through this thing quicker than we have in the past uh, – you know, it's a tough game for the Lions, and uh, like I say, we can still give the people a good review of this game doing it that way. Sure. Yeah, let's do this one. All right. So the first bullet I had is, man, Deshaun Shedd, uh, he just turned around late and absolutely got roasted and toasted by Allen Robinson on the first drive for a huge gain. Um, Tree Cohen had a great little cut inside. I think it was inside the five-yard line, made a nice little cut. J.D. got blocked up. Um, touchdown Bears. Um, fourth and two, I, I put here, it was a great little move and run by KJ. I thought he was good here, um, in some different areas. So it's again, it's really been fun to go back and see a healthy carry on and just see what we might have in the run game. Absolute deep touchdown now on Robinson on third and 15, Ugh. third and 15, you should be getting off the football field. Instead, they're throwing a 40 plus yard touchdown. Huh, Deshaun Shedd can't turn around. Looks like an absolute fool trying to play defense. Uh, third and one, Lions get stoned, have to punt again, just shaking my head. Uh, Trubisky, I thought, was really good in the start of this game, not only with his throwing, but he was able to kind of move around by himself some time and uh, make some plays. I got here a busted coverage, which was a TD uh, to 
Uh, Miller, their rookie wide receiver, uh, just a bad missed tackle by GQ after Miller caught the football. And uh, 19-0 Bears with 12 minutes left in the second quarter. Oh, boy. Uh, I got an interception here by Matt Stafford soon after that. Bad throw. Cornerback Reddit just was an absolute easy pick. I mean, I think Marvin Jones was the receiver on. I think he fell down, but still inexcusable. Um, soon after that, we get Jared Davis with a personal foul where Trubisky made us look silly running around with his long, elongated scramble. As he gets to the sidelines, like, out of frustration, I think Jared Davis just throws him out of bounds with a push. I mean, if you're going to get a flag, get your money's worth, go get him. He got a big flag there. Next thing you know, quarterback keeper touchdown, 26-0 Bears with eight minutes left in the second quarter. Oh, my goodness. Grifka's turned the TV off. He hates this team. He's never going to work for the Lions again. I'm sitting there going, man, this sucks, but we can come back. Uh, Kenny G, uh, soon after that, again, scoreboard 26-0, catches the football, spins the ball on a first down. Uh, don't spin the ball, bro, when you're down four scores. I love you, uh, KG, but that's inexcusable. Uh, next thing you know, touchdown by uh, on Johnson, up over the top, 26-7. And I think it was either 26-7 or 26-10, but that gets me to about the half. Griffo, what do you got to say about that? Just absolute atrocity of a first half by our Lions against Chicago. This was a – for me, this was one of those games – you're right. There were points I turned this game away. I mean, I think I, I went on – threw on something else. I mean, I'm just like – I can't watch this. I mean, this is like – this is like almost a preseason game where – and I know you've said it before, all teams work hard. They all they all like uh, – they all, they all practice during the week. They all work hard. They all want to win. But, gosh, it just seemed like the Lions were sleepwalking in this in the first half of this game. And it, it just – my highlight, one of the things I have wrote down that you didn't put down, the bean toy low, though. First down catch, baby. Heck, yeah. We, we might have found something in him. But, uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, it's just uh, this was a game where uh, Slay didn't play. He was hurt. So our starting quarterbacks were Nevin Lawson and uh, Shad, and yeah, you could just pretty much tell that Slay wasn't playing because uh, that uh, those those wide receivers. Were, I jotted down those wide receivers were open all game. I mean, all game long, it seemed like these guys were wide open. And then you mentioned on a couple of them where Shad didn't get his head turned around on the one long touchdown. Um, he got beat off the line, and the, I, watching the replay, he's running just as hard as he can. You know, to catch up as as Robinson's just nice and smooth running down the field, and it's just it was just it was just bad to watch. I mean, so yeah, some of the plays I, I remember like, oh, I don't know, I didn't know that happened. Oh, I didn't know that happened. But uh, yeah, Stafford's pick, he just totally read that. And it's like he had his mind made up, and the uh, DB just totally jumped the route. I mean, this, he was staring down the wide receiver, so it was just a bad first half. So. All right, yeah, I agree with you. Let me let me rumble through the second half, and then we'll uh, get to these questions. So soon after the half, I got here a busted coverage. Um, Miller with a huge catch for Chicago. Again, just uh, running through our defense, people not being able to tackle, not be, get people on the ground. Lions get the football back. Uh, on Johnson puts it on the ground with a fumble. I put here – I mean, I thought he was he was really fighting hard for extra yards. He seemed to have it tucked away decently. This is just going to happen in football. Like, he kind of got hung up, and then somebody got it from behind and really ripped it out. 
Um, not happy about it, but also just one of those things that will happen, especially to a young guy and a, a guy fighting for extra yards, but still not good. Uh, four, I couldn't believe this. I didn't even recognize it till late in the game. Four hits of the upright by the Bears kicker again, like another Road kicker party, just haven't just having absolute struggles like unbelievable man i just put this is insane the lions with kickers this year um matt stafford not very good uh when he steps up i felt like this is what kills me about him i went on a big rant a few podcasts ago about his pocket presence i won't do it again but he drops back and when he feels pressure he tries to step up but he kind of just steps up a little bit and then and then the walls crumble around him and he goes down i mean it happens basically any time there's a good rush there. So I really got frustrated seeing that time and time again. I mean, I know the line has to block better, but a lot of quarterbacks that step up, you know, they step up and get out to the right, left, whatever it may be. You can't just step up and then think the rush is going to go away. Um, still coming in on you there. So that was frustrating to see. Nevin Lawson, uh, get our marketing gimmick out, Lawson and Tease, toast and roast. Uh, Nevin Lawson, toast again, toasted again. Um, Allen Robinson, another touchdown, 34-10 Bears. Another pick by Matt Stafford, just forcing things. I mean, I put here, <laughs> this game just sucks at this point. Um, next thing you know, though, touchdown to Kenny G. Nice route, nice throw. Um, we're still getting killed by the Bears, which is embarrassing. Uh, Lions get an onside kick, which is a real shocker. I didn't remember this play, but soon after that touchdown, they hit absolute awesome onside kick that uh that got them the football kg uh with the awesome catch on fourth down really went up and made a great play they really made a great play together big fourth down conversion um next thing you know just a perfectly set up little screen pass with inside the 20 to carry on he just absolutely walks in for a touchdown before i can blink it's 22 to 34 Chicago with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. This is where I'm thinking, man, what we might pull a rabbit out of our hat. And Griffka still hates the team. Um, two point conversion. They go for it. Looks like Kenny Galladay got the ball across. Of course, they didn't call it. Then Matt Peck has to go for the challenge, which he shouldn't have had to challenge the play. They look at it. To me, it was pretty clear. The ball was across. They stick with the call on the field like they do every other time. No real notes after that. The Lions got the ball back one more time, I think, with only like a minute left. Ball game. Lions lose. Real big beat down in Chicago. Uh, yeah, they put up a little bit in the second half, but just a really bad game for them across the board. Yeah, just to uh, – I jotted down a few just notes at the end of the game How after watching the game. It, it just seemed like the Lions were never really in that game. I know the point where they got to 34-22 – I mean, it's but still, it just seemed like the game wasn't that close. It, it it really didn't. It seemed like the second half more like the Bears took their foot off the gas. You know, one of those things like in the pros, you see like they don't want to show them up. It just doesn't seem to happen all that much in the pros. I mean, if that was college ball, it seemed like they could have scored, you know, 50 points on them if they wanted to. But uh, it just seemed like it was never that close. And uh, – I didn't think the Lions O-line had a very good game. I, th- I believe we talked about this covering the game the first time. That offensive line just looked terrible. There was points where, like you said, Stafford stepped up and the line just – and the line, the pocket just collapsed. But, I mean, that's not on Stafford maybe holding the ball too long waiting to try to make a play. But, gosh, that O-line just had another awful game. And 
the challenges you said you th- you thought he was clearly cross cross the line, which I thought he was cross line also on that two point conversion. So maybe that's just us wearing lines colored glasses. But that was one of those things. Like it was like there wasn't enough to overturn it. So I I thought the two challenges that Matt Pat had were, were just bad challenges. I, that's that's what I thought. So that was that was my take on the game. All right. Well, I want to rebuff you real quick on the challenge issue because he's got no choice on that two point. I mean, they need that to make it a two score game, right? So what's he going to do? Like say, oh, it's close. I won't challenge and then have to score three times. Like that's not a coaching blunder, Grifka. No, I mean, it's just that's I just I, I don't think it was a good challenge. I mean, that's just my opinion. And it was at what, 34? It was at thirty four twenty two, so it just wouldn't have made it ten points. So it's already two scores. Just to say you have to score two touchdowns, as opposed to a touchdown and a field goal. So it's still two scores. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, to me, it, again, it's a fine challenge. It's a bad call by the refs, and it's frustrating to even have to challenge that. You know, it's just a like, why am I throwing this when he was pretty much had the ball even with the line, his arms over the football. Anyway, we won't get into it too much, but I don't know. This is a game to, you know, if you're going to bag on Matt Pat, you know, they started terribly and uh, they're just getting eaten up on defense by the Bears. So that's either on Matt Pat or Mother Goose. They're uh, not getting the defense ready to go. But yeah, I mean, we couldn't cover anybody. We couldn't. Um, that was pretty much it. I mean, they didn't really run the football. Yeah, we just couldn't cover anybody. Defense- I made that same note here. Now that I'm going through my notes, I, th- I thought the run defense was decent. I mean, they, I mean, for for other parts of the year that uh, they were getting gashed, but you know, then they got snacks. I mean, I thought the run defense was was pretty decent, but maybe they didn't need to run the ball because those wide receivers. I mean, those cushions that they were getting were just massive. I mean, it's not like Trubisky was like fitting the you know slinging the ball through windows and stuff like that. You know, making these great. These guys were open by like five yards. You know, I mean, there's like nobody standing around these wide receivers that he was hitting. I mean, you know, kudos for Trubisky finding the open guy. But, I mean, when he's throwing it to guys, there's like nobody around these wide receivers for like 5, 10 yards. I mean, that's just – these guys were so wide open. That's just poor defense. Yeah, man, I'm with you. And, again, I want to apologize to the people. I know they don't want to hear about uh, me being sick here on the podcast, but I've missed some Griff Cabells because I've been on mute. I've been popping another cough drop or – coughing on mute button so i apologize i've been missing some of those grifka bells and and haven't been able to jump on grifka for a couple things he said but that's just what it is this week uh we'll get through it we'll be back next week i'll be raring rocking ready to go to fight grifka on every little thing um let's not talk about this game anymore grifka we got a few questions from the people that i selected that uh, sent some things in on twitter everybody out there please make sure to do that get with us on like early on in a week monday or so send us some questions on twitter we go through them we kind of select a few and get them on the show here. How do we tackle those questions, Griff, couldn't then get out of here for this show so I can uh, go ahead and feel better? Yeah, let's knock these out. I'm, I'm always interested in these questions. All right, cool, man. So uh, first question came on Twitter from uh, – I have it here. His name is Jay Gala. I don't have his Twitter handle, but he wanted to know if the Patriots uh, were to franchise Flowers, do you think we should still go after him or no? Uh, no, I think that the price tag would be too high. I mean, Flowers is good. I would take him, but if they franchise him, I wouldn't, uh, no, at that point, it's just kind of like, no, what, 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 because you have to give up like a first round pick or something like that. Um, 
I can't remember exactly everything that's that's tied to it. I know. I mean, just the cost and yeah. I thought I thought this is a pretty simple one. I mean, uh, again, it's it's good thought process. He's trying to think. Okay, if they were to deal with Flowers, what would you do? But um, I think it's already come out in the media that they're not going to franchise Flowers. Uh, everybody's getting pretty excited by that because you know he is kind of you know the Detroit Kool Aid drinkers' number one target. Is like, let's go get this guy. Let's pay him. You know what we paid Ziggy, but let's actually get production and get a healthy, good defensive end out of it. A young guy too. Um, I can't remember. I want to say the rules have always been like you franchise and then you know either go get a guy. It's two first rounders. So yeah, absolutely not. I mean, that's kind of the killer on all these good defensive players. Like the minute they get franchised, like they're off. They're off not only our boards but everybody's. You know, in regards to trying to go get them at that point, but. You know, if Flowers was to get franchised, I mean, you're just trying to look at what are the other uh, DNs out there that are available. Can you go get one? And then, Krifka, this is a side question, but I need to bring it up. I started another fire on online on Twitter with this one. I said, this might be a hot take, but if everybody starts getting tagged and if everybody starts coming off the board and you're not seeing good uh, free agents that you think could come to Detroit, might want to tag Ziggy again one more year. No, I read, I read that same thing. And I just like shook my head. I'm like, whatever, man, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Cause the thing was like, it was not even tag. It's just like, do you resign him? And like, people are like, well, you know, for the right price. And it's just like, no, it's just like, whatever. You can See, sign but- this guy and give him money. It's just like, he'd be hurt again. I mean, <laughs> you get Zach followed and they were calling him a China doll, whatever. See, but I don't agree with your just, no answer because it, it always makes me think that you don't think about any of the factors. Like if, if Lawrence is tagged, dude's injury, prone. dude's injury prone, man, go draft somebody. Then the guy's injury prone time to cut bait. Sorry. And yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought about the factors and you've said it a thousand times. This guy's this size weighs this much speed. You're right. Yeah. If he's on the field, awesome. Look to resign him, tag him, whatever. The guy's been injured a lot. It wasn't just last year. I mean, it was the year before last year. Uh, it, it's just the guy's injury prone. Face it. I mean, that's all it is. You can, you can spin it however you want and say, like, well, look at – yeah, you're right. His measurables are great. They are. They're, they're prototypical, what you're looking for quick, when he plays type thing. Yeah, I understand that. But the guy's injury prone. There's a point where you just got to cut bait, man. Sorry. You know, try to put a football team together here. You're not selling blue jeans. Like, whatever. Like, okay, but Go. I mean, he may look like a football player, prototypical t- defensive end, body type, whatever. I, I don't care. He's never on the field. I mean, I mean, talk about bad taste in the mouth with drafting tight ends and wide receivers. The guy's never on the field. Forget it. Can I talk now? Go ahead. Okay, because I don't want to go for 30 minutes with you, which we could on this topic. But I want to go back to a couple simple points. One is the Grifka, he's always hurt. He never plays. And uh, it almost doesn't fly because do you remember a certain quarterback with the Detroit Lions that never played for two, three years to start his career? Oh, he's hurt all the time. Oh, man, he'll never be the same. He got the shoulder surgery. My, Grifka would have, if you're keeping your same opinion that oh, once you're hurt, you're always hurt, and we should have moved on from Matt Stafford a long time ago, way before he threw 40 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. Am I right? But, oh, imagine that. He's been able to bounce back, and and he's been healthy. How? Apples and oranges. 
for the same reason why you, you, you always say to pay the quarterback because he's the guy who always touches the ball. And I saw Matt Stafford run back on the field and throw a touchdown pass with a separated shoulder. I saw Ziggy, you know, take, what, 10 weeks off? I mean, you know, it's like this guy, he's practicing, but he's not playing. He's oh, practicing, gosh. not playing. Because remember, I threw the question at you. Maybe the Lions are just holding him back so he won't get that big a contract, and you laughed at me. Well, somebody's setting him. I mean, the guy's out there practicing, but he's not hes not dressing on Sundays? I mean, yeah, Matt Stafford, once again, saw the guy throw a touchdown against Cleveland with a separated shoulder. Okay, we heard you the first time, but the thing is that, like, no one's holding him back so he gets another contract. What about the other side of the coin, Griffin? Maybe this guy had a, a really rough shoulder injury. He's out there roughing it through practice but couldn't get good enough to be in the games. Then when he did get in the games and he was toughing it out, yeah, he made a few plays. I think either on this game or the game that we'll review on Friday, he's got a couple sacks when he's out there. So all I'm saying is that if all the DNs are dried up and you know this guy is a physical monster – hey, maybe we'll give it a spin for one more year at 19 million bucks. Like, we've got the cap space, and if you're not going to get anybody else, what are you going to do, just sit on that money and, and go draft two rookies and hope it works out? I'm just saying it's something to think about, and uh, I think this plays to Jay Gallo's question of, hey, we're looking for a defensive end in free agency and in the draft, and if we can't get some of the top names, we got one sitting here that we can get that we don't have to recruit, we don't have to – really overpay we just have to pay the franchise tag to keep him you you just got so much man love for ziggy you really do because your whole thing i mean you're always talking about drafting if you can get this guy cheaper you know draft this guy look at the money and you just said it what you you want to just go get two guys cheaper and hope it pans out you tell me that all the time with the draft you, you, that is one of your biggest things that and now you're okay with you don't want to do that just to keep ziggy around yeah, I don't know where your man love for Ziggy comes from. I, I really don't. Because the point you always make to me okay, about like uh, about saying, like, well, you know, you can go get this guy cheaper in the draft. You, you, look what you're spending on, blah, blah, blah. But <sighs> you, you don't want to do that to keep Ziggy around in case in case the free agent market's dried up. Grifka, that makes no sense I'm, to me. I'm uh, all yeah. for – let me know when I can talk. Go ahead. But I, I just, I just proved you. You just, bat, you just went against your point that you always make for your man love for Ziggy. I, I, I don't get it, Grifka. I'm all for getting players to the draft. What I'm not for is like here when we have this three year window where we want to win and we have some players that to just put two rookies that I'm probably going to get maybe in the first round and the fourth round out with Aquara and think, Oh, we're good. Like, like I know what the market is for defensive ends. Like, you know, yes, I want cheaper options. Yes. I would like rookies that can come in and develop and be good, but to take one more spin with Ziggy Ansa at 19, 20 million, knowing that that's what uh, Lawrence is going to get. That's what, um, you know, a guy like flowers is going to be somewhere in that range. Like I just saying it's an option. And then I think the guy, if you can stay healthy, let's throw that out there. Um, still has at least three some good years left. And taking one more year of that on the Detroit Lions wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. That's it. There's a, There are better ways to build it. There are better options saying, man, I hope I can draft a guy in the fourth round and he'll be good and he'll cost me 500000 Yes, I love that option. But if everything's dried up and they think, man, if we could keep Ziggy at 20 and we can draft Farrell or um, get Oliver or one of these other guys and put those guys with Oquara, and then we already feel good about our other positions. Like, 
that might be what they're thinking in regards to building this defense for next season. I mean, yeah, I always want to build for being good for 10 years. But anyway, we're going down that path of 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I'm throwing it out there online, and I'm throwing it out there to you today. So let's get to this next question. Mike, the CEO, is back in again. He wanted to know. We talked about this on a previous show, but we'll readdress it. Is Antonio Brown – it's a three-parter, actually. Excuse me. Is Antonio Brown a realistic target? If you had to guess today, who do you think the tight ends will be, just by saying our current guys, rookies, free agents, whatever. And then he also wants to know, do you think Agnew will be strictly special teams or used – I'm going to put more on D. He put used on D, but, like, you know, Agnew has played some defense – um, he's also not just a special teamer, he's on an offense as well. So tackle those in any order you want, Grifka. And like I say, let's move through this one. We got another one as well, and then we'll shut the show down. Okay. Um, Antonio Brown, realistic target. Um, I think we've hashed this one out before. As a fan, I, I love it. But as a GM, like what you'd have to pay for him, what he's doing, I don't know if he fits, you know, that's that's a lot of money to sink into one quarterback and one wide receiver. So, uh, I mean, realistic, I don't think I don't think the Lions are going to do that simply because what it, all this Twitter beef he's had or this beef he's had with Ben Roethlisberger all, all of a sudden, like, kind of throwing him under the bus. And I, I don't see that happening. So, GM-wise, no, I don't think he's a realistic target. Fan-wise, yes, I would love him on the team. Um, who will be the tight end? Uh, I I think they're going to draft a tight end, but not in the first round. I think they're going to maybe go get somebody later. I don't think I I would even I I wouldn't mind a tight end in the second round if Noah Fant's sitting there because I think Noah Fant's you know good. I mean he's not obviously T.J. Hawkinson great, but I would I mean I think he could be a, a good serviceable tight end for this team in the second round. I I could t- I could live with a tight end in the second round, and um. So yeah, I, I I would like Noah Fan out of Iowa, but if they have somebody on the roster, maybe they may bring back is our boy Levine Toilolo. Man, I, I hyped the heck out of this guy. Might have found something with him. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, some of the great catches he's made. Plus, you know, Levine Toilolo, um, and then Agnew, strictly special teams. Um, I think. If he's going to be on the team, I think they would need to use him a little more. That hybrid, de- you know, on defense, on offense type thing, you know, offense run, you know, end around and all that stuff. Because, like you've said before, I think on kick returns, that that position's kind of becoming obsolete now with with the rules that they're making. Seems a, a lot of touchbacks. I mean, yeah, every once in a while you get a decent kick return, uh, punt returns. Um, he can be dangerous on a punt return, but. Uh, even still, it seems like there's a lot of, you know, watching a lot of football, it seems like the, you know, punting's becoming one of those things where there's an awful lot of uh, um, fair catches and, like, kicking away from guys who are dangerous. Very rarely do you ever see anybody kick, any, kick a ball right at somebody who's a dangerous punt return anymore. It seems like everything's angled to uh, give your, uh, giving the punting team a realistic chance of tackling the guy. So um, I don't think he's strictly a special teams player, but uh, – I think if he's going to be on the team, he's going to have to play some more, more D, or be that uh, special, you know, end around offense guy. You know, I don't know, one of those guys you run trick trick plays for him on offense. Um, all right, I'll be I'll be quick on this. Uh, you know, to me, Antonio Brown is not really a realistic target. Just his price tag, he wants more guaranteed money. 
He's just a fool off the field right now. Great player. There's a little tiny part of me that thinks he could come here, like, and be incredible, you know, as far as just bringing him in and him getting his head on straight and being an absolute crazy playmaker that Detroit loves. But I'd say that's at about, like, 10% in the back of my head that if it happened, you know, there's a million reasons I could not like it, but I would have to like it because how exciting it would be on the field for a couple of years, but uh, not realistic in my opinion. Tight ends, I think you're going to see him go out and be aggressive in free agency. Uh, it's not a great free agent tight end market, but um, I think they'll look that way. And then, uh, you know, also in a draft, I think this is such a deep tight end draft that, uh, you know, if they're not set on the one type of guy um, early on there, I think you can kind of wait it out until you feel like the value meets the, a player and then go ahead and take a guy. Again, I don't know that tight end in this new system, more physical, more um, just kind of old school offense. I don't know that you need a, a top echelon pass catcher type of guy, you know, so they can probably get a lower end guy in free agency, a guy in the draft wherever it fits and make that position work. I mean, we got by decently this year with no production from that position. So, you know, if you upgrade it, great, but it didn't kill us. Um, and then Agnew to me is a guy that, you know, as Grifka said, I mean, the, the kicking game is such a sort of non-issue to me nowadays. I mean, if he makes a punt return a year, that's tremendous. You know, if he just moves, gives us decent field position, <coughs> excuse me, every once in a while, that's okay. And then uh, I like him in offense on gadget plays. And then I also think, you know, if he's been watching tape and working while he's sort of been hurt and different things, that I think he'd be a sneaky little defensive player. I mean, a good depth corner. So uh, he's really gritty. He's got a great mentality. When I've heard his interviews and stuff, he feels like an absolute football player with some crazy speed. I mean, I think he ran like a 4-3 a something. Uh, so I think you can play him, you know, at all three levels. His main impact would probably be for me. Um, more so on trying to f- – it could he be an offensive weapon? And then how can we use him on defense more, more so than the kick game? So um, let's get to this last one, Grifka. And I actually got to – going to have to take a look here. This is a tough one off top of your head, but see what you can do with it. Um, Logan wants to know, um, do you have any low, low-key low type free agents that you think the Lions could sign or that fit the team? Um, that won't break the bank. I mean, he's not talking about those obvious names, but some of the guys that might be a little under the radar. Okay. Um, let's see. A couple guys come to mind. Um, if you're looking, I don't know if there's if they're what they're looking at the slot. If they're, if they're if they're settled on Powell or not. But a guy, um, a, a guy I don't think will break the bank. I told you before I hate this guy, but this guy seems to catch the ball when I throw it to him. That's Cole Beasley. I, I don't like the guy, but he guy just seems to get open. Maybe, you know, I saw him in a number of games with the Cowboys. Cowboys are on TV a lot, and I watch those games. Um, but he's, he catches the ball, and he seems to get open. And I don't think he's going to cost a, an awful lot. I mean, so that might be some guy the Lions might might be interested in, I guess. Um Another guy on defense, really, kind of looking at corner. It's like, I read this one, too. I don't know exactly what uh, – if uh, he's somebody uh, 
they might make a run at or not, but that's uh, Darquez Denard, the cornerback from uh, Cincinnati. And um, he's, uh, he's, 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 not, he's, he's not great, but he's, he's not, uh, he's not terrible. I mean, he's better he'd be better than anything that's on that other side right now. I mean, I slay's a better cornerback than him, but those are a couple of positions that right off the top of my head that I've just kind of read things and looked at that if the Lions like kind of made a run in them, didn't break the bank, right price. I, I can see him on the team. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. I mean, I, I'd like to tackle this again when we kind of uh, do a free agent show and whatnot. But if I just had to throw out a couple quick names, I was just sort of looking. I have a a sheet I'm working on for free agents, but I haven't, you know, totally went through it. But if I had to go some lower key names, I mean, Daryl Worley is a corner out in Oakland. He had some off the field type issues, depending on if he's worked through those. He's only 24 years old and you might be able to get him at a good price if you're looking for a corner. He was pretty good in college and had some moments in the NFL. A tight end option, too, to think about. This guy hasn't done any, anything in the league, but I like his size. I like what he did in college, and I like, you know, could be useful um, in the pass game in certain areas, like down towards the red zone or if you could find a way to use him. Max Williams was a guy I liked coming out of the draft. He's been buried kind of in Baltimore. They obviously drafted a couple of new tight ends, so he'll be on his way out. Uh, he's young. He'll be cheap and uh, could be better than what we currently have at the tight end position despite Grifka's love for Levine Toilolo. I mean, could, you could have something there, right, Griff? We have something there. Might have found something. <laughs> um, and there's probably quite a few other names, so I'll just throw those two out for now, half because I can't breathe uh, right now with this cold I got. And uh, – We'll definitely tackle that more as we get going. But, yeah, man, some people have had some great takes on some free agents and people we should be looking at. So we'll definitely have to get into that. Uh have to find a way, Grifka. Maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll find a way to breeze through a couple more rewinds. That way we can get into free agency before we get too close to the um, time. We'll have to figure yeah, out how we can do that. Away. That's only yeah, a couple man. weeks away. So. Yeah, definitely. So um, that's all I got, man, uh, the question of the day. Grifka, you got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. This is normally where I go ahead and thank you and tell you to um, uh, subscribe on iTunes. But again, fighting through this cold. Thank you so much for putting up with me today. Hope you enjoyed all these different questions we got to tackle in this uh, terrible game by our Lions as the Chicago Rewind. Uh, We'll come back next show and get a good one to review against the Panthers. Um, Thank you so much. I'm going to go take a cough drop. Everybody, we're out. Drink it in, man.